Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Infrastructure is looming large on the political agenda. How can private investors buy into the trend? Has the world of wine investment turned sour? And introducing the investment-grade handbag. Could designer arm candy really end up bagging you a profit? Welcome to The Money Show, the FT's most popular weekly podcast. I'm James Pickford, FT Money Deputy Editor, and I'll be giving you this week's money news in downloadable form. First... Roads, rails, bridges, airports and even schools and hospitals. The political desire to invest in infrastructure has reached new heights as both Donald Trump, US President-elect, and Philip Hammond, Chancellor of the Exchequer, have signalled their interest in building more of it. I'm joined in the FT studio by Amy Williams, FT Money reporter, who's been speaking to investors and fund managers about the trend and how private investors could take advantage of it. Amy, welcome to The Money Show. Hello. Unlike pension funds, individual investors don't have the sort of cash to be able to put their money directly into a specific bridge or tunnel. So how do they actually go about investing in infrastructure? There are two ways that retail investors can invest in infrastructure. They can either give their money to an investment trust who will invest in the infrastructure directly on their behalf, or they can buy shares in companies that may have exposure to infrastructure. So these might be companies involved in construction of roads or mining or oil extraction, those sorts of things. So you could either buy the stocks directly yourself or you can invest in a fund that has an infrastructure theme. So there are a handful of funds that do this, open-ended ones, but also passive tracker funds that are a bit cheaper. So a well-established route to investing in infrastructure. What about infrastructure bonds, which we've been hearing about a bit recently. Yes, so this is a new idea that's expected to come out from Philip Hammond's autumn statement. So the idea is that this will allow retail investors to get access to infrastructure investing. So there's already been some discussions about the idea of setting up a new infrastructure bank. So this would be a bit like the state-owned British Business Bank. And although this is likely to just invest in already existing assets, there's a possibility it will also allow investors to give their money to new projects as yet to be built as well. So that will help stimulate infrastructure building. 
And how attractive is it as an asset class? What kind of rates of return do private investors get on infrastructure? Well, investment trusts are quite good. So the share price total return has been a bit over 40% over three years, which is a, which is a bit over the FTSE world equivalent. But the thing with these trusts is that they've got rising share prices. So because we've had low interest rates for so long, these trusts have become more popular and their share price has been pushed up. So your share price return has gone down. And just in terms of the asset class itself, is there, are there any words of caution one should know? This is presumably not something that would suit the investor who's looking to make a quick buck because these things take a long time to build. Well, because you've always got that equity-like exposure, you can actually get out, even in the investment trust, you can sell your shares quickly. It just might be at a lower price for which you bought them. And the same is obviously true of proper equities, which you bought shares in mining companies or oil companies, you can sell those quickly. The only other note of caution is that we did have some analysts saying this morning that they were quite concerned about the supply and demand imbalance. So we're now in a situation where there is more money looking to invest in infrastructure than there are infrastructure projects available. So this is pushing up the valuations of infrastructure projects, and that might eat into investors' returns a bit. So that's something to look out for. It's not clear whether these good returns will continue indefinitely. Thank you very much, Amy. You can read the FT Money cover feature, How to Invest in the Infrastructure Boom, on Saturday as part of the FT Weekend newspaper or online from Friday at ft.com money. Still to come on The Money Show, could designer handbags carry profit potential? But now, Alan Livesey, wine enthusiast and Lex columnist, has written about the wine market this week. Thank you very much for joining us, Alan. Happy to be here. Since the 1980s, investors have increasingly been looking to find wine as a good alternative investment. That's uh, assuming they can resist the temptation to pop the cork as soon as they bought the stuff. But when we're talking about investing in wine, I understand there's quite a narrow range of chateau of products that investors would typically consider. What parts of the market are they generally interested in? Well, if you'll pardon the pun, the most liquid part of the market really is the, the finest wines from Bordeaux. And the reason for that really is these top chateaux, you know, they measure their output in, you know, thousands of cases, some of them, not all of them, but some of them thousands of cases. Another very good region, Burgundy, for instance, measures it in thousands of bottles. So there's a big difference. The Bordeaux market has been very popular for a long time. It's not just since the 80s. But one thing to focus on has been the en primaire market, this sort of futures market, early market, and we talk about that. That's one popular way, has been a popular way, to buy into the market early before the wines actually uh, so you know hit the shelves, so to speak. And so how has the asset performed over the past, you know, how has wine done over the past five or ten years, and what's happening to it now? In the last ten years, it's pretty much kept up just ahead of the FTSE All Share, including dividends. It's not too bad. I guess uh, as an alternative investment, it'd be nice to say that it doesn't correlate well. That'd be the best thing. And after 2011, wine itself hit a bit of a bear market, even though stocks and shares and bonds more or less bumbled on and did okay. Part of that was due to a bit of oversupply, some bad harvests, a little bit of over-exuberance in the 09 and 2010 French vintages in Bordeaux. But it's pretty much, it's done okay. And it is still be, you know, I think it will still be a popular uh, place for people to put their money. Well, one of the things we've been hearing about is is uh, the effect of Brexit. And after that caused a sharp fall in sterling, we've been hearing that the cost of wine in the UK is going to go up. Is that 
already happening? And how much do you think prices are going to rise as a result? Well, the prices in sterling have gone up. All right? They're up you know, 20 25%, some of the fine wine indices over the last year. A lot of that is currency related, you know, in pounds, yes, in dollars, you might not have done so well, in yen, you definitely didn't do very well. So that's one thing to think about. There's a fair bit of wine stored in the UK. Now, I've done some calculations talking to the storage companies, the warehouse companies. It looks like it's in the one and a half to two billion pounds of stored wine for fine wine. So there has been, with the drop in the pound, a lot of interest from overseas. They've taken that stock up whether they've actually brought it out of the country or not, I'm not 100% sure, but they've taken it out. Now, if any of that stock needs to be replaced, if anybody wants more domestically or export, they will start to have to find it outside of the country. That could be more expensive. Yes, interesting. And so if I'm an individual investor in wine, would I tend to sort of sequester my assets, uh, never touch them, or do people tend to sort of skim some off the top for their own personal enjoyment? I like to drink the wine I have. I'm, I'm probably not as aggressive an investor as some, but others you know, will buy lots. They'll store it in bond, which means it's uh, free from taxation for a while until you bring it out. It's not atypical for someone to maybe a small investor to buy several, three, four, five cases, sell off two or three, drink one. You know, It pays for itself. Yeah. I can't really let you go, Alan, without asking investment considerations aside, what fine wines will be gracing the Livesey festive table this season? On the day, I've got my eyes on a magnum of uh, Leoville Barton 96, mm-hmm. famous claret uh, from Bordeaux. The pudding wine, I might do something slightly different rather than just something sweet. Maybe a demi-sec, slightly sweeter, demi-sec uh, champagne. I recently had some from Palmer & Co. That was very nice. Or maybe just a straight champagne for the rest of the festivities from uh, Michel Forget. Mouthwatering. Mm. Alan, thank you very much indeed. Uh, that was Alan Livesey, FT Lex columnist. And you can read his article about investing in wine in FT Money this weekend or online now at ft.com money. Finally, I'm joined by FT Wealth correspondent Hugo Greenhalge. If you're the proud possessor of a high-class handbag, it might be worth more than you think. Handbags are setting record figures at auctions around the world. One, a Himalayan crocodile Birkin bag, named after the 1960s actress Jane Birkin, sold for an astonishing £208,000. So with this in mind, we asked Hugo, who probably knows exactly what a Himalayan crocodile looks like, to examine whether this is an emerging asset class, and if so, how can investors turn a matching bag into a decent fortune? Hugo, first of all, what is it about these bags that makes them so expensive? Well, I'd like to say that it's all about hunting down those elusive Himalayan crocodiles, but there is no such thing, actually. It's an albino crocodile, so Ah. it's an almost white. But the point is they're really expensive, A, because of the craftsmanship that goes into these bags. With an Hermes Birkin bag, which is the world's most desirable handbag, I think we can be use superlatives at this point, you're looking at between 18 and 25 hours individually uh, hand-stitched. The craftsmen are are called artisan professionals in in France. So a huge amount of work goes into these bags, but also at the same time, it's down to rarity. Not many of these, obviously, with the amount of people hours going into these bags, are made each year. You also have, at auctions, people do like the idea they can snap up a bargain. But with a lot of these bags, and again, it is mainly about the Birkins. We'll come on to that other brands in a second. But with the Birkins, it's exclusivity, it's desire, and it is, frankly, what they're made of as well. Yes, you're paying for the craftsmanship, but also the brand. 
So if I'm a potential investor, what should I look out for? There are three main factors, brand, rarity and exotic skins, such as crocodile in this instance. You should also look for limited editions and special collections. You've got these things like, you know, a range brought out by Tiffany's in association with a woman called Jean Schlumberger. You're looking at specific materials again and special hardware materials such as clasps and buckles, gemstones, special embroidery, for example, that can also add to value. And you're looking at also associations with fashion icons. I mean, if Kate Moss were ever to bring out her own brand of, of handbags, rush to the shops and buy one. Presumably you buy one, but if you're going to invest in a handbag with a view to selling it on later, presumably not such a great idea to actually use it? No, <laughs> in a word. <laughs> it's, it's not quite one for the bank vault, but it, there are a lot of tips in terms of how to preserve your bag. You know, keep it upright, stuff it full of tissue paper or scarves, Perfectly cashmere, I presume. But generally, don't use it. Or if you do take it out, then use it minimally. There's been a recent kind of craze in restaurants over the past, I guess, 10 or 20 years or so, of an extra chair being brought to the table for the handbag. But then if you've got 10 grand's worth of handbag, it deserves its own chair. <laughs> and how easy is it for investors to get duped into buying a fake bag? Depends where you are. But if you're buying it on the street, well, just forget it. It's not real. But if you're buying it on the street because it's cheap and you know it's, it's fake. But at auction, the auction houses are very aware that the market is awash with fakes. And they're very aware of the fact that, you know, if they slip up in any fashion and a fake gets through, the market will be ruined. So it is being watched very carefully. But again, do be careful. I mean, look inside the bag. Look at the stitching. Look at the handwork. Look at the way in which the label is. And, and silly things. <laughs> Make sure they've spelt Dior or Chanel right. And <laughs> it's a common mistake by some of the people knocking up bags elsewhere. Well, finally, in the name of fairness, is this something that uh, only women are pursuing or are men getting in on this investment act as well? Mainly women. I was talking to one auctioneer who was talking about the kind of steely glint that these women get into their eyes when the bags come up to auction. And I'm very aware, you know, two men talking about this as well. But <laughs> it is still very much uh, women buying not so much for an investment, but also because they want it. They're there to kind of bid on a bag that they couldn't get onto a waiting list at Hermes. It is virtually impossible to get onto the waiting list at Hermes. They have a chance to buy the bag that they've always wanted. Whether it will go up in in value or not it's not necessarily beside the point but it is a passion buy still primarily yes fantastic thank you very much that's hugo greenhalge ft wealth correspondent you can read more about this story online at ft.com money we'd love to hear your views on investing in infrastructure and the other subjects we've discussed today and other money matters more generally you can email us at money at ft.com tweet us at at ft money or comment on our articles online at ft.com money the money show will be back next thursday at the usual time goodbye if you enjoyed listening to this podcast, you might like to try our World Weekly podcast, which is presented by me, Gideon Rachman, the FT's chief foreign policy commentator. Each week I discuss one of the main political stories of the week with the FT's overseas correspondents and experts, and you can find our latest show at ft.com slash podcasts from Wednesdays. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.